Good morning. This is Rabbi Michael Knopf, Assistant Rabbi of Har Zion Temple in Penn Valley, Pennsylvania. It is Wednesday, August 3rd, 2011. We're coming to you live from Har Zion, and you are listening to The Tish. Thanks for joining us. Studying the Tomer Devora, which is uh, Rabbi Moshe Cordovero's little but extraordinary book on uh, the sort of ethical implications of the uh, Kabbalistic system of divine virtues called Svirot. And, uh, and he, his premise is that, the, that, that we should be striving to emulate God uh, and that we can learn how to emulate God by investigating the meaning of each individual sirah, each individual divine virtue, and seeing what, what that says about God and therefore what that says about us. So we're in the middle of the, still the first divine virtue, which is, uh, which is keter, God's crown in the system of sirot, which Cordovero says is God's compassion. And if you recall, he uh, picks a verse from the, from the book of Micah that uh, implies 13 different components of God's compassion. And we looked at the first one the past couple weeks, which was Mi El Kamocha, who is a God like you, that there's no, that, that God's compassion is, is incomparable. And, uh, and so we looked at some of the ways in which uh, there was maybe sort of, in some senses unattainable levels of compassion, of of uh, patience and turning the other cheek and that sort of thing, uh, and uh, and so we're going and we're going to look at the second one today, which he says is nose avon. So the second one in that in that verse from Micah, nose avon means to to carry transgression, to to bear iniquity, uh, to uh, essentially to uh, let sin happen on your watch and not do anything about it. Okay, uh, and here's what he says. This is even greater than the last component of compassion that we looked at. Because a person never does a sin. Whenever a person commits a transgression, they create a mashlit, they create a destroyer. Uh, this is a uh, sort of common uh, idea in Jewish mysticism that every time you uh, do a transgression, you, you create, a, um, you create a, a, a negative energy, uh, if you will, or, or, a, or in this case, is a little bit stronger than that, a destroyer. Um, it comes from, we'll see in just a second, it comes from a rabbinic idea that whenever a person uh, commits a transgression, they, they create an accuser, they create a, uh, a prosecutor against them in heaven that when they, uh, God forbid, one day die, uh, the prosecutor will then level the case against them in, in heaven, um, which is the, the, the Hebrew word Satan, which in English we usually translate as Satan, uh, essentially comes from that, uh, that, that meaning. The word we're going to see here is a Greek one. Satan is, uh, is, is an ancient uh, uh, Hebrew biblical word. Um, but that's the, the, the connotation of that word of Satan, Satan in Hebrew, is, the, is an accuser, uh, is a prosecutor, which um, my, my teacher, Rabbi Brad Artson, his wife is a, is a city prosecutor in Los Angeles, and so sometimes when he's uh, upset with her, he calls her Satan. Um, <laughs> uh, this is, and he's going to kill me because this is on podcast now. Um, 
Maybe I'll delete that part. Uh, but, <laughs> um, but, uh, but in any event, so, uh, so Cordovera says that, uh, that a person, every time a person commits a sin, they create a destroyer. Kiditanan, as it's taught in the Mishnah, Ha'over avera achat konelo kategorachad. So someone, anyone who, tr- who, tr- who commits a transgression, anybody who commits a sin, one sin, acquires for himself an accuser, acquires for himself a prosecutor. That, that's the Greek word, kategor, uh, which is equivalent to the, the Hebrew word, satan. And so this prosecutor stands before the Holy Blessed One, stands before God and said, such and such person has made me through their transgression. And no creation can exist in the world uh, unless they have essentially God's permission to live, except for if they, if they have uh, uh, God's um, uh, uh, energy pouring into them. Right? God could, if God stopped his energy pouring into this creation, it wouldn't exist anymore. Right? But yet, even though God could stop this kategor from existing, God could stop this, um, uh, this uh, pr- uh, accuser from existing, or, it, or otherwise could stop the sinner from existing. It could just put an end to it. it could, the kategor could, uh, the accuser could stand before God and say, this guy made me, this guy is uh, doing all sorts of, uh, of, of nasty things, he's eating cheeseburgers, he's doing all these things. And, uh, and, and, and God could say, you know what, you're right, he doesn't deserve to live anymore. Right? And, uh, and so Cordovero says, right? but, this, but nevertheless, this destroyer, this accuser, stands before God. And so why does God uh, allow him to stand there, allow him to live? Because logic should say that God would say to him, that I won't support destroyers. I won't support accusers. Right? So, you know, it's like the, the, the president says, okay, well, you know, you can, you can uh, uh, prosecute uh, this, this person, but I'm not going to pay your salary. Yeah. Right? Um, that's fine. Say whatever you want, but uh, pretty soon you're going to be hungry, right, if you keep on doing it. So, God could say that. And he's on Mashkitim. I won't support destroyers. Go, go to the person who created you and, uh, and be supported by him. Go to, the, go to the sinner and say, you know, uh, feed me. So then what would the destroyer do? The destroyer would go to the sinner and take his life because that's how destroyers are supported. They either get supported by God, who allows them to testify against the person, or they get supported by the person who created them by taking his life. That's how the Kabbalah, the mystical system works. Or o corto, or you could cut him off. Another uh, euphemism for for killing him. Or he could, um, or he could punish him, or he could make him uh, make the sinner uh, uh, punished. Um, according to the, the uh, extent of his transgression, until the, the, there's no need for the accuser anymore, right? So the, the, the punishment will have happened, there's no need for the prosecutor. Right? So the, all those things could happen. 
God could enable all those things to happen. But God doesn't do that. Rather, God carries and is patient with the sin. And just as God sustains the whole world, sustains and provides for this destroyer. Until one of three things happen. So one is that God waits. God sustains this accuser. God allows the sinner to perpetuate in his or her transgression until he or she repents, turns in tshuva. As we talked about last week, that God is waiting for us to, to do tshuva. Here he goes a little bit deeper and maybe a little bit more disturbing. Um, that uh, that that one of the ways that uh, that you accomplish tshuva is uh, through essentially nullifying yourself um, through uh, mortification. This is a medieval text, after all. And that was the fashion in medieval times was to accomplish tshuva through whipping yourself and beating yourself and that sort of thing, uh, because you were essentially uh, uh, giving yourself the punishment that you feel like God should have been giving you for your transgression. So that was one of the ways that you accomplished tshuva. Or, you wait for God to, for the, the true judge, the righteous judge, to nullify you himself with, uh, with afflictions and death. Or, you go, essentially go to hell, go to Gehenna, and there your debt is repaid. Right? So there, by the way, the, you know, this is the, the hell that apparently Jews don't believe in, uh, the, the, the rabbinic concept of, of hell seems to be sort of like how, um, how the uh, Catholic tradition views purgatory. Right? It's, a, it's a place of pur- purging, a place of purgation, um, where you go, everybody, no matter how, uh, severe a, a sinner you were, you go for a, uh, uh, a limited amount of time uh, until your essentially debt is paid off, until your soul is purified, at which point you can ascend to heaven. Uh, so there's uh, no such thing as sort of eternal damnation in that regard. Uh, there's only a sort of temporary uh, purging, and this is what it's talking about here. So one of these three things could happen, right? So um, then God allows the, the sin to perpetuate Sort of even until death, right? Even until you you uh, you uh, can't repent for it anymore in life, God doesn't do anything about it. God doesn't destroy the destroyer that you've created. God doesn't destroy you for having created the destroyer. God waits. God is patient with the with the transgression. and this is what uh, Cain said in the Book of Genesis. Gadol avoni means so. My sin is too great to bear. Upershu Rabotenu Zichunamli Vracha and our rabbis, may their memories be blessed, explained, interpreted this in the Midrash, Kolha Ulam Kulo Atasovel. God is patient with the whole entire world. If God wants, God can sustain and perpetuate uh, and take care of people. And when our sin is so great, so heavy, 
that even God can't bear it. Even God can't be patient with it. Perush leparnaso. God can't uh, um, sustain it. God can't um, uh, support it. Ad ashuva ataken. But God does. God does support it until waiting for us to do tshuva, to repent and to repair it. Inken harezo midat savlanut gedola. If that's so, then this is incredible patience. That God sustains and supports a, a wicked creation that, uh, uh, that has created a, a sin until that person repents, until that person turns around. This always yes, occurs when I come to heaven my death. Right. Well, he's saying that... Finish. Go ahead, sorry. What is the effect of all the work that I do on Yom Kippur? Mm. <laughs> this is a great question. Um, it depends on, on how sincere your work is on Yom Kippur. Because Yom Kippur is in some ways uh, a, a temporary <clears throat> reprieve. Right? Because most of us the day after Yom Kippur, start sinning again, right? Um, you know, even if it's small things, right? So I, I know I always do, this always happens to me. Right after the shofar blast of Mila, there's that question, do I stick around for Mari's, right? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, sometimes now they have Mari, some congregations do Mari before the shofar blast so that people actually do stick around, right? But it's a question. And I always think to myself, like, Okay, am I really the first option I have in the new year, the first uh, choice I have in the new year, am I going to choose not to do Mari? But, you know, many of us do the next day, right? We, you know, that evening in the parking lot, we say, did you see what she was wearing, right? You know, we all do that sort of, right? So Yom Kippur works in that moment to, to uh, um, if we do the, the work on Yom Kippur, to absolve us of the transgressions that we did in the, in the previous year and give us a clean slate. But the question is, what do we write on that clean slate? And many of us don't write what we ought to write on that clean slate for the next year. The second thing is that uh, traditionally, um, Yom Kippur doesn't, uh, doesn't affect atonement for every kind of sin. Okay, so the following things it doesn't affect atonement for. First, if you commit a transgression against another person, Yom Kippur doesn't affect atonement for you until you've actually uh, done the legwork of, of uh, getting that sin absolved by the person you've impacted. The second is that there are some transgressions, according especially to minorities in, in uh, the laws of Chuva, that, um, that, that Yom Kippur can't absolve. Uh, so, for example, things like murder or, or other types of very grievous sins, um, only, uh, sort of only in some sense death can atone for those things. Um, and then there's sort of the case where uh, the Mishnah talks about this, where a person says, Ashuv Achteh, or Ashuv Yom Yom Kippurim Yechteh, right? So that uh, that all that all sin, but you know Yom Kippur will will take care of it for me. Which I think a lot of us a lot of us uh, sometimes have this, at least one or two moments in our life where we say, you know, whatever. That's what Yom Kippur is for, right? And uh, as my, one of my favorite uh, scenes in The Simpsons is like that, where uh, <laughs> I, I know, I, but Bart Simpson um, it meets a uh, a revivalist preacher. 
and the revivalist preacher says, have you found, uh, have you found God? And Barthes says, no, you know, I think we're going to go for the lifetime of sin followed by the presto change of deathbed repentance. <laughs> and the preacher says, you know, that's a good angle, but it's not God's angle. Right? But I think a lot of us in some way or another have that mentality. So, so Yom Kippur works if we, actually, if we do our part in getting it to work. And I think what he's saying here is uh, imagine a scenario where, um, where Yom Kippur did the work Right? But then the next day you have, uh, have, have you know, you undid everything that you did on Yom Kippur the next week, the next month, or whatever. Right? And what it's saying is, so God is patient on a year-to-year basis, saying you know, Yom Kippur will come around and 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 he'll realize what he or she will realize what they've done and work on it. Or takes the long view and says, I'm going to wait. You know, maybe this person will turn around. Maybe this maybe this behavior will change. Um, let me just, I know we're, we're out of time, but let me just, I uh, just want to finish this last part here in the next page. Mize yomod, because this is his, uh, his, his message here. Mize yomod ha'adam, from this a person should learn. Kama tzarich shiyesavlan, how patient a person, a person should be. Lisbo avel chabero v'ra'otav shehera, to be patient with the transgressions of his fellow and his fellow's wickedness that he commits, ad shi'or kazet, up into this level, up until the same level that God is patient with us throughout our whole lives, regardless of what we do, regardless of how much we do, regardless of how wicked we are, how many accusers we create for ourselves, God doesn't listen to them. God doesn't take their advice. And, and he's saying that this is what a person should do as well when we encounter people who mistreat us or mistreat others, where our natural instinct is, is to be offended, right? especially when they mistreat us, right? is to be offended, to be, to be hurt. And he's saying that, that this is how patient a person should be. That you should enable this person to perpetuate their wickedness even when they're sinning against you. And you should be patient until your friend repairs himself. Or until he no longer exists anymore, or he no longer exists in your life. And, and like this. Which is an incredible amount of patience. When someone offends you, when someone mistreats you, to say, you know what? This person isn't irredeemable. This person just needs time to come around. Now, I recognize there are some things that people may do to us and will do to us that we can't be patient about, that we can't just sit by and watch. We're also commanded in the Torah, um, you can't just look away right, when, when real injustice is happening. Right? So I don't think he's saying that, uh, that you know, if... Uh, where we talked about this uh, in previous weeks, you know, if you're in a situation like, uh, like uh, Nazi Germany, right, and, uh, and an SS guard is, is, is you know, uh, beating your, uh, your child, right, that you should just be patient while that sinner is committing the sin because they'll come around and repair themselves. I don't think it's talking about real injustice like that, because we're not allowed to stand idly by when real injustice like that is happening. But I think he's talking about um, he's talking about the day-to-day um, uh, sort of 
pains that other people cause us um, that that we jump to uh, to 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 anger about. We jump to offense about uh, perhaps a little too quickly. I think that God is patient with our transgressions forever, and maybe we could learn how to adopt that kind of patience and therefore compassion as well. Have a great day. I just want to add here, if I may, a little epilogue. One of our participants pointed out to me, and I think correctly, that Moshe Cordovero is not here uh, talking about uh, us not doing anything, uh, no matter what the crime, uh, no matter what the harm perpetrated against us. We are commanded in the Torah a couple of things that I think are relevant to this moment. First is, You're not allowed to be indifferent. So if there is a real injustice being committed against you, you're not allowed to just let it slide. You're not allowed to just, just brush it off. And the other is, You're supposed to actually rebuke your neighbor. Don't hate them in your heart. And so I think what, uh, what, what actually is the virtue here that's being expressed is to not get angry, to not inflict punishment on them, as it were, but rather to make clear our expectations of another person, to make clear to them why they've hurt us and that they've hurt us and what we would like them to do in the future. And in fact, God doesn't just sit by while we transgress. God lets us know what we've done wrong. Right? That's, after all, what the Torah is. Right? And if there were no Torah, if there were no way for God to communicate to us what God's expectations were, then in fact, God would have no reason to be mad and it would undercut the whole basis for what Cordovero is saying that God is patient with us even though we're transgressing. If, if we didn't know what God expected of us, we wouldn't be transgressing. <clears throat> so I think that quite the contrary of just standing idly by while someone injures us in some way, it's saying that we don't get angry at them. We don't inflict punishment on them, but yet we have an obligation, I think, especially when the sin is, especially, is grievous, to let people know what we what we want of them, what we expect of them, but to do it in a way that is not in anger, that is not lashing out, that is not violent or injurious to them. Our challenge then is twofold. One is to be patient with people, to give them the benefit of the doubt, and to know that everyone is capable of, of turning around and changing behavior, but also to let people know how we would like them to change their behavior if their behavior is harming us in some way. And that, I think, is a twofold challenge that uh, Cordovero is not ignoring here and that we uh, have uh, uh, hard work ahead of us to do moving forward.